Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching another segment with World Impact News in collaboration with Stop the Presses. I'm Jason Mangum, and I have Mark Anderson on with me. Great to see you today, Mark. Great to be with you, Jason, for another one of our recordings here. We're doing a lot of them, and it's really going well. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, we'll be on the uh, Austin radio of uh, Republic Broadcasting Network talking about some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, later on today, doing the radio program. So always love to expose and really bring truth into a world that's uh, fed a lot of fiction. And so oh, <laughs> today, today's interesting subject is going to be about nationalism and what's so bad about nationalism, what's so bad about being American and having, you know, an American way of life and American culture, but also about what the fake news and this attack now being uh, really that the FBI is even coming out and labeling people as uh, that are cons have conspiracy theories. My goodness, Mark, you know, anyone that has a conspiracy theory is now labeled as a terrorist. And apparently they've already made arrests of people, some public, some not so public. So, you know, it's just amazing what really does go on and go on without even anybody knowing about it. So so what are your thoughts on uh, for today, Mark? Well, one could go a lot of places with this, Jason. It's, it's a tough nut to crack, but I think above all is we need to recognize that the mass media cartel, what we used to gingerly call the mainstream media, is going on an all-out full frontal assault not because they know what they're talking about, not because they're truthful, but because they don't know what they're talking about and they're very untruthful. They are in a defensive mode portrayed as an offensive mode. They're losing the narrative one subscriber at a time, one viewer at a time. They know it. We know it. They know we know it. And that's just the way it's going to be. And that's the way it's going to continue because once you adopt a policy of lies, that ship will no longer sail. And exactly. one, of the, one of the biggest cases in point I've seen is this past Sunday. Today, as we shoot, of course, it's the 12th of August, 2019, Monday. Just yesterday, the New York Times came out with this breathless piece full of all these uh, so-called facts about what they're saying now is a virtually worldwide, centered in Sweden of all places, but virtually worldwide network through alt-media, alt-right media, and through others a worldwide network of white nationalists, a.k.a. white supremacists, a.k.a. white terrorists. And they wow. conflate all these things. Of course, the media will tell you, especially the Times, but many others, CNN is deplorable, want to talk deplorables. They'll tell you that basically if you're a white nationalist, you're automatically a white supremacist. Now, a quick clear-up before we get into broader themes. One can be a nationalist and not be white. One can be a nationalist, favor the nation you live in, and be white, which is actually European extraction. It's not just white. And one can be either a white or a non-white nationalist without being a supremacist of whatever race or background or, or ethnic or ethnicity you are. See, so none of that is explained. They just, they just throw these brickbats out there, seeing what will stick. And... They don't make these distinctions, which are very, very important to make. Now, that being said, keep that on the side. 
this article the Times brought out yesterday is full of assertions about, and maybe we'll get into a little bit of that later in the show. I'll look up some of the uh, quotes if we have time. But anyone can read it. Uh, The August 11th, 2019 front page story, New York Times, look up, just, just Google the new nativists or a white supremacist conspiracy. And you'll see this front page article come up in digital form. And that article is laced with all sorts of statements like authorities say, people familiar with the situation say, and the authorities are never named. And the people with who are familiar with the situation are almost never named. Like one person whose credentials are questionable and kind of nebulous might be named as a source, but authorities is the plural, meaning they supposedly spoke with more than one authority, and they're saying that all these authorities and all these observers and all these anonymous people say and claim and observe, but they basically name next to none of those sources. They don't actually specify who the sources are. So they're just, the the Times is just making assertions. We don't like white nationalists. Here's why you don't, you shouldn't want to like them yourselves. Here's why we think they're a danger. And, And so on and so forth. And even George P. Bush, the, um, son of Jeb Bush, the former presidential candidate and former uh, Republican Florida governor, went on to say that white terrorists, he said, not white nationalists, not white supremacists, but jumping right to white terrorists, need to be denounced and defeated. This is a Republican saying this. And denounced implies that Anyone that's entertaining nationalist feelings that are maybe too strong needs to actually denounce their beliefs. Now, that's the kind of thing Mao Zedong made uh, nationalist China, uh, made them do when he brought about the Cultural Revolution and what were known as struggle sessions. A struggle session is where you were made to shed your most cherished beliefs by the point of a gun or some other coercion, electric shock, having to stand up in water this deep for sometimes one week on end. The torture that Mao's minions would apply to nationalist China. And so to get someone to denounce their beliefs by some sort of psychological or physical coercion or shaming or whatever you want to do is a very, very heavy-handed matter. So this is a Republican saying this. And then to say not just denounced but defeated means that George P. Bush, one of the Bushes in Texas, sees this as an ideological war sounding just like a Democrat. So this is some backgrounder stuff. We've got some broader themes that I believe that, Jason, that that will really blow this whole New York Times slash, you know, overall mass media cartel narrative out of the water. But, But these are important sort of illustrations and side points to make that sort of form a backdrop as to the kind of lies, the magnitude of the lies being told and how poorly these stories are being sourced. And these stories are just nothing but speculation and, and you know, the kind of stuff that's written by hatchet men. And it, it can't be emphasized too strongly as to what's going on. Uh, over to you. Yeah, it's almost like you remember on the schoolyard, there was always that one kid that always said, well, my uncle told me so. 
and my uncle told me so. And uh, the reality was, his dad was a only was a single child. He had no siblings. You know, it, it almost seems like the media just fabricates. Well, based on this authority, or based on this, you know, authority, which in most times, like you said, they're not even listed. It's like who is this invisible authority? that the media is coming up just to push their propaganda. And that's what it is. It's just, and if there is any authority, it's probably some lobbyist group. It's probably some, you know, well-funded left-wing uh, George Soros. I mean, let's just face it. It's right. funded. I mean, you know, people need to wake up. That's why, I mean, <laughs> not to get off on subjects, but that's why even these, med- you look at all the prescription medication that's out there. And they're saying that this drug is good for you. And, and when you look at the, the studies, the field studies, the, all the research, you look at even the doctors and who's funding their education on a particular product, it's all the medical, uh, pharmaceutical companies funding it. It's all a propaganda engine. And that's what the mainstream media has become is just this propaganda engine and there is no authority. And I'll tell you what, um, I don't know if we made this statement or you made this statement in the segment, but when you lie and lie and lie, you lose all credibility. But why are, why are they? I mean, it's like a continual lie with no credibility, yet there are people out there that believe this stuff, Mark. And that's why we're doing these uh, video shows and radio shows to get these salient points out there to show the, the logical fallacies and the literal incompleteness of what's going on. And, exactly. um, you know, in terms of the way they uh, they report and so on and so forth, uh, it's really important to get this out there. Now, it's also important to mention that the the uh, the idea of conspiracy theories, okay, let, let's just look at that real briefly. The word conspiracy is a noun. The word theory is a noun. You can have a theory that isn't conspiratorial, and you can have a conspiracy that's not theoretical. In other words, not all conspiracies are theories. Some are facts, uh, right. just law of averages. Some will turn out to be factual. Some will be turned out to be theories that are never proven factual. No one ever said that all conspiracy theories are facts. The, the average conspiracy theorist, if you want to call them that, and broadly very broadly, you and I would fit under that rubric, is simply someone that asks questions. I thought, evidently, Jason, we were misinformed our whole lives. I thought the media was supposed to ask questions. Evidently not. And and so when you say that pharmaceutical drugs and field studies and look at all the side effects and, and doctors are being sent to school by the pharmaceutical companies, maybe to a degree and maybe not in every instance, you're you're making a claim that the mainstream media increasingly will not even touch. They won't even go there. And that's softball stuff. That's easy stuff. And so, you know, you modify the word conspiracy with the word theory, and people automatically think that all conspiracies are theoretical. And this is another myth to demolish. Some will be uh, theoretical and turn out to be false. Others with careful investigation, getting the facts together will turn out to be true. And it's a matter of breaking each one down, treating each one like a separate incident, more or less, and looking at where the breadcrumbs lead. 
if you find out there was collusion or conspiracy, then there was. If you find out there wasn't, then there wasn't. If you just say all conspiratorial ideas and all conspiracy theories are essentially declared untrue on their face, then journalism will go nowhere. No one will ever dig below the surface. No one will ever know the ultimate causes of anything. Just close the newspapers. Just close the TV stations. We don't need a 24-hour news cycle. Be quiet. We don't want to hear it because you're not... You're not interested in asking questions in any way. You'd rather make fun of people who do ask questions and then label them not just conspiracies, but kind of, uh, you know, cross-pollinate with the FBI and then actually try and call them terrorists and would-be killers. Right. This just can't stand because it has nothing to stand on. So here, here we are. Uh, we've already demolished them, Jason. We haven't even scratched the surface, and they already lost the argument four or five, six minutes ago. Yeah, no, There isn't a single person at the New York Times that would last 30 seconds debating you or I or anyone of e- r- roughly equal knowledge. They wouldn't last 30 seconds, and they won't debate anybody. A lot of these papers, you try and call them. You can't even call a reporter at the New York Times. You can't call a desk reporter anymore. They don't answer their phone. you got to call some public relations guy. These people are unaccountable to anybody. They're living, in, they're living in some sort of news vault writing hatchet jobs. But um, to get beyond these bullet points and get into the larger picture and really, really diffuse their whole ridiculous argument, let's look at uh, anyone, really anyone in this world. Most people view themselves as members of some nation, some nation state, some country. And therefore, all of us really in one way or another, with very few exceptions, except the most strident one world internationalists like out of the CFR or the Chicago Council on Global Affairs, but even them in their heart of hearts, most of them, but virtually all people are nationalists of one degree or another. We're all nationalists, Jason. All all that differs is degree and maybe the intensity of feeling and maybe the criteria on which that is based. But we're all, for instance, Americans. America is a nation, or at least it's trying to be. Donald Trump is trying to restore at least some tenets of that, some ideas and pillars of that, although he's far from perfect. We're not wearing rose-colored glasses. We never have. We never will. But we're all Americans. We're all taught to pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic for which it stands and learn something about our Constitution that the media has completely forgot about. And so we're all nationalists. Some of us are white and are nationalists. Some of us are so-called black and are nationalists, although no one is truly white or black. We're all different shades of brown and tan and beige. Let's just be honest. Uh, get, get around these stupid buzzwords. We're all God's children. We're all Americans, or we might be Swedes, or we might be Swiss, or we might be Germans, or whatever we might be. We all have a right to and in fact, do possess some pride in our country, even though it becomes kind of muted, it becomes kind of dampened down. So what are they saying? That you have to be a full-blown internationalist or you're a non-person? Now, I won't be so conflationary like they are and draw that conclusion about them, although that's what it looks like. But I'm not going to be like them and make these broad assertions. But I will say that evidently, in my opinion, speculation, to be fair, anything short of full-blown internationalism, open borders, is to them an intolerable lurching toward nationalism, which inevitably they claim leads to the next shooting. 
And of course, we could go into the fact that any any shooting over the last couple years where there's been three or four or more victims in one incident, all the shooters have been a mix of races. There's been maybe a dozen white shooters, maybe a little more. There's been black shooters. There's been some that look to be some other race or, or ethnic extraction. It hasn't been all white shooters. If you if your criteria is three or four more people shot per incident, uh, three or four uh, people shot or more per incident. So, you know, the idea that they're all white shooters doesn't doesn't hold water. Uh, you know, someone posts a manifesto, they automatically believe that that person is the one that got on that keyboard and wrote that manifesto. The Peter Baker of the New York Times wrote the accused shooter in the El Paso shooting. And then a couple sentences later said the accused shooter posted a manifesto online. Well, if he's the accused shooter and he has the right to a trial and he's assumed innocent to proven guilty, how can you say without qualification that he's the one that wrote the manifesto? If he's the accused shooter, then he allegedly wrote the manifesto. But they don't use the word allegedly. You see the slop and disingenuous journalism that's coming out? If you're the accused and you have the right to be presumed innocent, then you cannot be definitively said to have written the manifesto at all. They have to prove you wrote it. And all of this goes back into the narrative that they're trying to push. If, if some of this stuff is eventually disproven, if the original claims that there was more than one shooter in El Paso were not to be completely buried and were allowed a normal investigation, then a whole new narrative could emerge that would be nothing like this white supremacy, white terrorist narrative that they're, they're trying to push um, without any facts, without naming most of their sources. So you see the problem, but it all comes around to we have an American nation. There's such a thing as an American Americanism. There, There's... There's the idea of all of us being American nationals, no matter what our ethnic background is. And we can all feel good about a lot of that, about what Thomas Jefferson did, about the principles we were given. There's a lot to feel good about. And it is nationalistic, not international. Exactly. That's why you see the brilliance of our founding fathers when you look at we, the people. It's not categorizing and putting people in a certain category, a certain race, a certain color. It's we, the people. And you could see that's the heart of this nation, that we are one nation under God. And that's the thing about it. That's what's wrong with nationalism? Well, the left hates it because if they can put people into a box, then they can stir hatred. They can stir racism. They can stir. You see, it's the, the great divide. And how are you going to divide a nation? How are you going to conquer a nation? By dividing the nation. What better tool to use than to put people into a category? What was Hitler's main goal? He hated a race of people, so he was out to exterminate that race. Why is the left taking that position and so strong on that position? And that's why they hate nationalism, because it is one nation coming together with the common good and welfare of human kind i mean of mankind of all humans so that's That's where that's the that's you know i mean if you just look at the very premise of it but that right there i mean that that blows every ideal of the left or of even the far right out of the water we're one nation you know and and i i just love those words i'm going to say them again 
we the people, because there is such a thing as an American culture. It doesn't mean that you abandon where necessarily you came from or those roots. I'll tell you what, my wife is Hispanic. Her family is from Mexico. They came here, all of them, and they came here legally. I love the culture. I love the food, but they love America. And that's the difference is there is this American culture where people love, doesn't matter what creed, what nation, what religion, that you would love America. And that really should be the foundation of any immigration policy, any that you're coming here because you love this nation and you want to help this nation. Not be a leech, not be on the welfare tent, but be, you know what I mean, just that you're going to, but actually be a part of this nation. And that's what's so great because people come here across the world to live the American dream. I mean, can you think of it? Well, what is that American dream? That's nationalism. And as part of that, you have capitalism. You you can be whoever you want to be. The opportunities are wide and great. And nothing is limiting you. But the left wants to fabricate. And that's where the media propaganda machine, the media cartel, wants to put people in such a category because it divides people. And it limits the opportunity. The government wants to be in control of people's lives. Bottom line, that's why you go to the inner cities. I've been to them around this nation. And that's why you see these inner cities where you there's one way in and one way out. They're almost like, they're, I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to call it a concentration camp, but it's its its own world that is all funded and lit and, and, I mean, funded. You have your community centers, you have health centers, you have everything in one place all provided to you by the government. That's the ideal that the left wants and that the that the media promotes. But that's, yes. that's why people's not able to live the American dream. Why? Because they're under the thumb. They're under the oppression of. Of these these racist. Uh, hatred ideals, and that's really coming from the left, Mark. Yeah, the, the left and the internationalists, the globalists, there's sort of a coterie there that believe one way that are lambasting the so-called right. And, you know, America's never had a far-right government. We've never even come close. With right. Reagan, we, le- we leaned right a little bit. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just stating a fact. So the only thing we've got to go on, let's say there, you look at a far-left socialist government Go back to Joseph Stalin, who Democrat FDR helped with land lease, the largest material uh, and, and technology transfer in the history of the human race, outright robbery of America to help Stalin's regime, which killed tens of millions of Christians in the Holdemore. And what newspaper through the reporter Walter Durani covered up the, the starvation uh, in, in the Ukraine? wrought by Stalin, which newspaper? The New York Times. And to this day, they will not surrender the Pulitzer Prize that Walter Durante got for his reporting in Europe. At any rate, let's not forget that Joseph Stalin, the Soviet leader back in the 1920s and 30s, who was recognized in 1933 by Democrat FDR, who later would give Stalin enormous Lend-Lease um, privileges, huge transfers of, of industrial and 
um, scientific material, raw materials, knowledge, machinery, the biggest wealth transfer probably in all of human history. And this to a man, Stalin, who killed um, tens of millions of Christians in Christian Russia, taking over with the Bolshevik Revolution, which was a left-leaning, not a right-leaning regime. And who covers it up? Walter Durante of the New York Times. Oh, there's no, there's no pogrom. There's no starvation. There's no famine that's caused by the Soviet state. What famine? I don't see any famine. Uh, and Walter Durante would go on to win the Pulitzer Prize that the New York Times to this day, even though Durante was proven to be a liar and a propagandist, the New York Times to this day will not forswear or release uh, or forfeit that Pulitzer Prize. Does this not speak volumes of the times? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's where <clears throat> that's where you can see and you know and, and that's people are saying, well what do you what do you mean by this? What do you well because America we need to come to a, a, a center point. You know? And that's where you can't swing so far. The pendulum is swinging so far. You know what I mean? It seems to be swinging extreme right now to the left with the ideals, exactly what you're talking about, socialism, communism, Marxism, all of these ideals. You can't that that nation, our nation was not founded on that and has never really operated, at least to the degree it is today, Mark. Right. And And so this would explain why they're trying to create this right wing boogeyman that I mentioned earlier in this broadcast. They're, they're deflecting or distracting. They're trying to say it's over here when it's really over here. It's like a yeah. sleight of hand thing. Again, without naming most of their sources, just making bald-faced assertions and so on. But what's getting run over, what's getting trod under here is the simple fact that we're all Americans. Uh, Father Charles Coughlin, the leg radio priest who was undeservedly maligned for years, still is, said, whatever happened to Christian nationalism, Christian Americanism? Is that really such a bad thing? And not all Christians are white. The media almost implies that if you say Christian nationalism, you're automatically implying that they're all of European extraction. Not true. There are many patriotic black churches and other churches, uh, uh, mixed churches, churches where it's a, a diversified congregation, whatever the case might be, Methodist and down the list. But... You see where all these lies are permeating and all this misdirection, what's really going on. And while we talk about this, we have to keep in mind that while this right-wing boogeyman is generated with the paper of record, the so-called newspaper of record, the New York Times at the helm, while that's being generated, really what we have to recognize, Jason, is it's not so much that the media doesn't like conspiracy theories. It's that they don't like certain kinds of conspiracy theories. They're They're all fine with saying... Trump colluded with, which really means conspired with, let's be honest, uh, Russia. And that was in the Mueller report that the media is trying to have us not forget about, even though most people yawned and stretched their arms and weren't very impressed by its rather meager contents. And then they're trying to say they've been they've been saying a long time unequivocally that Vladimir Putin, I'm not saying he's an angel by any means, but that he went in and annexed the Crimea, which is the part of greater Ukraine. But they don't tell you that Victoria Nuland, the wife of internationalist think tanker Robert Kagan, uh, along with Yatsenyuk, this, uh, the, the skinny guy with glasses that was uh, a official in the new 
the new Ukrainian government they put together, that they went in and toppled the former so-called Russian-leaning leader. I think his name was Yanukovych or something like that. And that Victoria Nuland was instrumental in working with U.S. intelligence in stirring up at least part of that so-called uprising in Ukraine. And then they put in Poroshenko as the leader, a former candy maker who spoke to Congress, and I covered it when he went to Congress and begged for military help and begged for money. And and so you, you have that, that scenario I'm describing never discussed in the media, which just flatly says, well, just uh, – um, uh, Putin went in and he just he just ripped the Crimea out from under the people and he annexed it and that's all there is to the story. But the conspiracy the media claims is that white nationalists in Europe and America are in league with Putin and wanted him to do that, wanted him to overthrow Crimea and are in league with him in a number of other ways, uh, trying to undermine NATO and all these things. So you've got... Uh, the conspiracy theory by the big media that Trump and Putin and Russia colluded, that Putin in league with white nationalists stole the Crimea, and that Putin also stole the U.S. elections out from under Hillary, which the media states as bald-faced fact without making any attributions, without citing any data, any sources. They never show, for instance, did Putin get into the voting registration databases of the 50 states? Did he actually alter the names or say that Jason Mangum is no longer a registered voter and checked the wrong box? Did Putin's minions do that? Did Putin's minions get inside the electronic voting machines? And when Mark Anderson voted, did they flip my vote? Did Russia flip my vote so my vote didn't count or went to the wrong person? How How is it to begin with that what Russia does on social media, whatever it might might have been. How does that change Jason Mangum or Mark Anderson's vote? If Russia posts a uh, Facebook thing through some sort of bots or through some sort of trollers, is that going to actually change my vote? Are Americans that gullible where something Russia puts online will actually change their vote? I mean, in large numbers, even if it changed a few. So you have to wonder what's with all these conspiracy theories of the big media? While they go around claiming there's right-wingers, especially white ones, that happen to be white nationalists who are white supremacists who are white terrorists, and they're all conspiracy theorists, and these are the kind of dangerous people you got to look out for. But here's the kicker. Here's the football through the goalpost, Jason. The whole idea that nationalists around the world, most of whom happen to be white, although they're not the only nationalists. We've talked about that already. Nationalists come in all colors. But that all these white nationalists, the, the idea they're all banding together with their center being in Sweden, like the New York Times uh, claimed this past Sunday, this whole idea is itself a conspiracy theory. That there's this white nationalist network that's bent on having conspiracy ideas, and therefore they're bent on violence. And, and they happen to be conspiracy theorists, all these white nationalists, but that itself, I can't be stressed too strongly, that itself is a conspiracy theory on top of the Putin stole the Crimea, Crimea, Putin stole the U.S. elections, and Putin and Trump conspired together. The conspiracy theorists are the media. They're the yeah. conspiracy theorists. <laughs> For sure. I mean, because reality is they, they're spewing out fake information, fake they're fabricating stuff. What bigger conspiracy is that? 
as far as you know what I mean. I mean conspiracy conspiracy theorist. It's you know what I mean because there is a difference. You were talking about it. I mean there is conspiracy theories, but then there are actual conspiracies that are being done against the American people. There are atrocities against the citizens of the United States and elsewhere. So there is real that are going on. You know, recently I talked to somebody in the DOD and I asked him, I said, what do you believe? What do you do you think there's really a deep state? This is somebody who works in the DOD. okay, and sees information is in uh, in the information technology side of things. So they see a lot of traffic. You know, they're in the security and and data mining, all this aspect of it. And I said, do you believe that there is such a thing as a deep state? And he says, well, it's funny that you ask that because I look at the data and I see requests. And he says, it is shocking to me what type of requests, what type of information, where, and what department it's coming from internally. And he said, you would never imagine that that would be happening from an internal governmental, federal government so, you know, agency. You know, and so, you know, it, it, it just to put it out there, there is some real conspiracies that are going on and, and the type of information and who the information is about and then the feedback that comes from that. So, you know, I mean, I think that's the, 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 the truth of the matter, Mark, is that the media, it, you know, comes out, well, you're a conspiracy theory. You're so therefore or a conspiracy theorist. Therefore, you're a terrorist. And but when all the day long, it's just part of what they do. It's it's you know what I mean? Create this boogeyman right wing extreme ideals that doesn't exist. Why? Because you're so far left. It's it's what they do. Yeah, they they they, yeah, they confuse, confound, def, uh, conflate, deflect, yeah. uh, distract. Uh, exactly. All these different things and projection, accusing others of what you're guilty of. Again, those that scream racism the loudest are typically the racist because a real racist is someone that always looks at things through a racial lens. Right. Race is always the main criterion by which they judge events. That does not belong to the right. The people that fixate on race and ethnicity are generally to the left because that's the almost the sole or the only criterion by which they look at things. Whereas those to the center or right of center tend to look at things more objectively and sometimes race or ethnicity plays a role, sometimes it doesn't. Let's find out what the facts are, find out where the facts lead. We don't say automatically up front, ipso facto, that everything is racial in nature. But the left does. And so right. they're the real racists, and they project that onto others. And so the New York Times is losing the argument. CNN, all of them, they're just losing the argument day after day after day after day. They don't have a leg to stand on. Not one of their editors or reporters would last 10 seconds in a debate with the average well-informed American. They wouldn't even get out of the starting gate. So they hide in their little citadels down in Manhattan or wherever, and they write their hatchet pieces. Uh, yeah. hoping like hell their their boat won't take on more water, that they won't get even fewer readers the next day than they have today, or fewer viewers. <laughs> That's the reality. They're losing. They are losers. Yeah. And um, so to sum this up, you know, we, we have to look at who the real conspiracy theorists are. And, and, and again, not all conspiracies are theoretical. Some are, some are not, some are factual. You have to look at each of them one at a time and make a determination. Right. Um, 
there's all sorts of influence peddling that might fall just short of an outright conspiracy, but we use the words like collusion or we use the words like uh, you know uh, collaboration. We use we use softer sounding words, but look at what lobbyists do every day. Lobbyists get behind closed doors with our congressmen and try and get them to vote for bad bills against the wishes of the American people. If we're so concerned about um, influence peddling, we ought to look at lobbying and outlaw most of it. But here's another final point I want to get in. The the in the wake of the El Paso and the other shootings recently, the media is trying to say that the the alleged shooter who alleged, allegedly wrote the manifesto, and we have to accept the media's talking points that the shooting went down the way we're told in the first place. We'll, we'll save that for another discussion. But assuming it went down the way we're told, the alleged shooter who allegedly wrote the manifesto is said to be anti-immigrant. Now, another guest I had on my radio show at republicbroadcasting.org, a show called Stop the Presses, gave it a cursory glance and said, that's funny, the alleged shooter not everyone in that El Paso Walmart was Latina or Latino or Hispanic. So if they were anti-Hispanic immigrant and they're worried about people entering the nation, then it seems like they would only shoot those kind of people that they claim to have an animus toward, right? Well, right. apparently apparently not. Apparently not all the victims, and I haven't checked the full list to be fair, but apparently not all the victims were of that origin. But here's the kicker. The media is trying to say that the guy that wrote the manifesto, you read the manifesto, it says, I'm worried about our nation being overrun. I'm worried about an invasion from the South. And the media is trying to say that you're a terrorist if you oppose that invasion. Mm. But let's drive this home. Let's look at that very carefully. Some of those coming across the border from over 40, 50 countries now, we've learned that directly from the um Border Patrol, you and I, Jason, when we were in the Valley earlier this year in 2019, and we met with people that watched the border, we covered Border Patrol presentations. We got firsthand information right at the source. We've learned that MS-13 and drug, drug cartel operatives or scouts, sometimes drug cartel members themselves, go from Mexico back, go into America across the border. Some of them even come back into Mexico when the authorities are too hot on their heels and they go back and forth. But the fact of the matter is, is terrorists are among those coming over that overly open, that overly porous border. MS-13 are much more the terrorists than an average white nationalist. Let's not be ridiculous here. And especially the, car the cartelists, the people trafficking men, women, and children for 20000 a head, making more money than they would on drugs. There are terrorists. Not all the people are innocent bystanders and people fleeing violence that we never learn the details about in their Central American and other homes. The fact of the matter is, is that you are not a pro-terrorist if you want secure borders. You are, if you want, the average person wanting secure, well-defended borders is an anti-terrorist. You're not anti-immigrant, you're anti-illegal immigrant, or you're anti-excessive immigration, whether it's legal or illegal, because no one nation can take in too many um uh, entries at one time. There has to be some reasonable controls, no matter whether it's legal or illegal. Come on, let's remember. Uh, um, let's remember Ellis Island. At any rate, to to to, to summarize, to be pro border security is to be anti terrorism, not pro terrorism, like the media is trying to characterize it. Because MS thirteen and drug cartel operatives are effectively terrorists. So. Right. They're trying to absolutely give border security a bad name and now make it a 
pro-terrorist position because of what the alleged shooter did, supposedly did in, in El Paso. So the, the media lives in a world that none of us can even understand. And we're just trying to comprehend it now, Jason, as we wind up today's show. But these arguments will not hold water. We're all Americans. We're all in this together. We can band together. We can we can come together on issues that matter to everybody. Um, the abuse by big corporations, the abuses by the central banks, the way people are treated like numbers and, and uh, discredited by banks, not given credit, um, not, not allowed to sell or refinance their homes anymore, the way that the corporations have been outsourcing jobs. Trump's trying to turn that around with tariffs and, and restore our industrial base. But there are a lot of things the right and left can agree on. Uh, these financial abuses, the, these corporate abuses, uh, lobbying, the pernicious influence of lobbying on our legislators. Um, we all stand behind our Constitution, or we all ought to stand behind it, and we're all Americans. There's a lot we can agree on and be proud of, and all this dividing does not need and should not be happening. Exactly. And that's why the media has failed to even denounce Antifa. Why? Because they promote the left and the fake news agenda. And that's so... That it's very clear. I mean, there's so many topics and so many different things that we could, you know, put bullet points to to actually deflate what's what's the fake news is doing and really just like you said, Mark, just shoot it out of the water because it is it's not true. But they label things and then they want the public and the general masses to believe it. So, well, here's my closing thought. We the people. And if and I'm making a call. And Mark's with me for all Americans to stand up and be a voice and love your fellow man, love this nation, support this nation, and support our president. Because if you understand the attack that's coming against him, look, Trump is not perfect, but he is our president. And with that should come a respect for him and the office and what he represents. And the media hates him. And the reason why is because he started his campaign with a slogan called Make America Great. And you can see that's what they're against. They, they don't want America to be great. That's Isn't right. that amazing? Just in my closing thoughts here, and that's why they're against nationalism. Because So you can see how the media plays a role and how they label things. But don't be deceived. You that are watching, don't be deceived. Do your own research. Find out what the truth is. That's why Mark and I come on, so that we can give you facts, so you can make an intelligent decision but then you can get involved to see change in your world. So thank you so much, Mark. I mean, this has been, I believe, an illuminating, eye-opening segment that really should get people engaged in every area where they are. So always great, Mark. Everybody that's watching, God bless you and God bless America. 